always seems impossible until it's done. You ever heard that quote? Those were the famous words of Nelson Mandela. And history is full of heroes and legendary risk takers who did what had been previously thought of as impossible. Mandela helped bring an end to apartheid in South Africa. Of course, not all impossible feats are as socially impactful as Mandela's, but they're just as unbelievable. The 2004 Boston Red Sox trailed the New York Yankees three games to zero in the American League Championship, compounded by 86 years of misery of not winning a championship, often at the hands of those very Yankees. It was impossible. No team in baseball history had ever come back down in a seven-game series from zero games to three. They had to win four in a row. They adopted this mantra, why not us? And some of you know the story. They did it. They went on to win four straight games and the World Series. And what everyone in the sports world had previously thought of as virtually impossible became finally possible. Of course, when we say that word, it's just impossible. When we say that word impossible, what we often mean is improbable or highly unlikely, right? Like when we say something is impossible, what we mean is that it's, well, it's, it's improbable, it's highly unlikely, but there is a way, there is a path that the math works out. I mean, there is a way that it actually can happen, but it's not impossible. If something is truly impossible, we're not talking about a point zero 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 one percent chance. If it's impossible, it's a zero percent chance. Impossible implies another force outside the world has to come and override math or physics or gravity or reality. Impossible only becomes possible through the supernatural. By the time that we're done today, we're going to see how the pre-story of Christmas, the announcement of the conception and then birth of Jesus can teach us about inviting the impossible into our lives because we're going to see it play in one of the stars of the Christmas story, perhaps, in fact, besides baby Jesus, the star of the Christmas story, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And how for her, preparing room for Jesus in her life meant trusting God with what seemed impossible. Now, Mary's story has almost become cliche with Christmas, hasn't it? I mean, everybody sort of kind of knows the story, even if you don't have much background in church. She's, of course, always the character in the manger scene, if you have one uh, at home sitting on the mantle. It, It almost flies over our head, but it's so important because I don't know about you, but I know for me that I've got some impossible things in front of me. And I've got a hunch you probably do too. A relationship, a diagnosis, a bank account, a work situation. 
And it's impossible because you know that there's no way it's going to get any traction unless there is a move of God, unless the supernatural intervenes. So let me get a few things on the table. Number one, I absolutely believe, we absolutely believe here at Mountaintop as followers of Jesus in the supernatural work of God. It's kind of what Christmas is all about. It's kind of what the Christian faith is all about, that we believe that we serve a supernatural God who can interject himself into our world and into our history and do things that we thought were previously impossible. That's number one. Number two, I don't think that we can manipulate or coerce God into doing the impossible thing that we want him to do. Don't you wish you could? I mean, I, I don't think there, there are any guarantees. But the point of the story of Mary is not in God doing the impossible as much as Mary being open to the impossible in her life. And that is a lesson for every single one of us. So we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 1 today, beginning in verse 26, if you have your Bibles. Now, if you have your phone app, if that's how you do it, you can kind of do this today. I typically preach from the NIV, the New International Version, and that is the version of the Bibles that we give away on the bookshelves, by the way. If you're new or you just don't have a hard copy Bible, take one. So if you've got a hard copy Bible, and you've especially got one even that we give. This is going to be a little different today because I'm preaching from the CEB version, which is the Common English Bible. They're very similar. Most of the words are exactly the same. But I like the way the CEB version says this. If you're looking on the Bible app, you can click up there on the little version and find CEB, Common English Bible, and you can follow along, and it'll be exactly word for word. So just FYI, that's what's going to be on the screen today. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. So this is where... It says, as we talk about this character of Mary, when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, so last week, if you want to know who's Elizabeth, what's her story, that is the relative of Mary. Many scholars believe potentially the aunt, the maternal aunt of Mary, and last week's message was all about Elizabeth's pregnancy. She got pregnant before Mary to give birth to John the Baptist, who would be a prophet, the last prophet of Israel, to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. So when Elizabeth, her relative, was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, there are some things here that are important details. Um, that he was in Galilee was significant. At this point in the story, we don't know exactly what is happening or what is about to happen. But we know that something unexpected, unexpected has happened. That, uh, that an angel came to Galilee. And if you would have asked anybody during that time, if God's going to show up on planet Earth, where's God going to show up? And they're like, easy, temple. Right, right in the heart of Jerusalem, or maybe in the busy, bustling streets of Jerusalem. And instead, here's what we learn, that God shows up in the country. Galilee's out in the countryside. Nazareth, a port city. I mean, God has shown up in unexpected places. I think God still shows up in unexpected places. 
And there's something special about the man that Mary is engaged to. Now, some translations use a different word here. I think uh, the NIV says that uh, Mary was pledged to be married. I think the uh, King James Version says that she was espoused to be married. She was actually what in the Jewish in the Jewish faith and in the Jewish tradition, she was betrothed. That's the word. And betrothal is something that we just don't even have in our culture. It is something in between an engagement and a marriage. So it is like an engagement in that you're not yet married. You haven't had the marriage ceremony. You're still living with mom and dad. You're not living together as husband and wife. But it is unlike engagement as you can't just break it off and send an email and tell everybody to ignore the invitation. It's a legally binding relationship. So if you break off a betrothal, unlike an engagement, you actually have to get divorced. So it's kind of an in-between uh, our modern-day version of engagement and, and marriage. But there's something about him. He is a descendant of David's house. And that was more than could be said of the current ruling king of Israel. A man named Herod the Great. Herod was barely even Jewish. His descendants were converts to Judaism. He couldn't trace his roots back to Abraham. And he certainly wasn't from the house and line of David. And why did that matter? Because God said so. This is the promise that God had made to the anointed king of Israel, David, in 2 Samuel. Listen to what it said. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. This is God's promise to King David. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This promise was made to David a thousand years before that angel shows up in Galilee. And for hundreds of years, it had stuck. But not now. I mean, Israel wasn't a kingdom. It was barely even a nation at this point. I mean, they were under the rule of the Roman Empire and the current king, Herod, had not gotten the position because of his bloodline or his ancestry. He got it because his daddy was friends with Julius Caesar. Jewish heritage, Jewish history was in danger, not in a good spot. It seemed as if the promises of God were falling short, which is why if you had been a Jew and you read those words from Luke and you heard this story, a, a, a descendant of David, you would have said, your ears would have perked up. You would have said, oh, oh, I, I'm listening now. Listen to what it says. When the angel came to her, he said, rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was confused for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is a heavenly being is talking to her. Sometimes we read stories like this in the Bible and we're like, yeah, 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 I mean, just angels just show up, you know, and talk to people. No, they don't. Mary had not known a single person who had had an angel show up and talk to them. 
It had never happened to anyone before in Mary's life, and it wasn't something that would happen again. This is, this is a, a, an experience that she hasn't had. And then listen to what the angel says. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Now, I don't know if, if, if you've read much of the Bible about the stories when angels show up. They don't show up a lot, but all, you know, just occasionally angels will show up in the Bible to, um, to send a message from God to the people. And almost every time they show up, this is what the angels say. Don't be afraid. Now, have you ever considered that angels might not look exactly like this. <laughs> Kevin, our tech director, he, he coined this angel, Babriel. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looks like the cover of a really weird romance novel, right? <laughs> I wouldn't be afraid of that. When angels show up, they say, don't be afraid. Angels are heaven's mightiest warriors. Like, have you ever considered that if an angel showed up, it might look something a little bit more like that? Like it might look like something that might need to tell you, hey, 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 don't be afraid. <laughs> I know your first inclination is fear. Don't be afraid. And the angel says something really interesting. The angel says, you have found favor with God, or what we read is God is honoring you. Some translations say you have found favor with God. Mary, there's something special about the way you've lived your life. There's something special about your character. Your behavior has given you favor with the God of the universe. And it just it reminds me of this in Mary's story. Integrity invites God's attention. Integrity invites God's attention. You have found favor, Mary. God wants to honor you. Here's what no one knows to the story. And this is like one of those things. I mean, like, let me ask you. Do you think when we get to heaven, we have a big Q&A time to like find out all the things that we didn't know on earth? Or do you just think you know it when you get there? Do you ever, am I the only one that thinks about stuff like that? And I'm like, if I don't ask all the questions in the Q&A time, can I come back later because I forgot one that I really want to know the answer to? Here's one I want to know the answer to. Have you ever considered this? Have you considered this? There were 400 years between when you flip your page from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There are 400 years in that page. From the last prophet in Israel, Malachi, to when the Gospels start, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, to when Jesus is born. 400 years. Have you ever considered that it took 400 years because God was waiting to find someone with the integrity that he could give favor to? Have you ever considered that it took 400 years because God needed to find a Mary? Who knows? But here's what I know. 400 years later, there was Mary. And her integrity invited God's attention. Let, let me ask you this. If God is still looking to do something in the world, if God is still looking to move in the world, will he find the integrity in your life to invite his attention? Will he find the integrity in my life to invite God's attention? 
This is Mary's did. This is what the angel says. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house, meaning the house of Israel, the nation, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. For lack of a better term, to every Jewish reader who was the first readers to put their eyes on this, for lack of a better term, this is messianic language. Luke is writing in Greek, so every word you read, he originally wrote in Greek, but not Jesus' name. It is a uniquely Jewish term. The name literally means Jehovah saves or Yahweh saves, the name of God in Hebrew saves. That word, that phrase, the son of the most high, that's a Messiah term. Every Jew that would have been reading that would have known that there was no confusion. He is saying, Mary, you will give birth to the Messiah that the Jewish people have long hoped for, and he will restore the throne of his father David as it was supposed to be. And every good Jew would have remembered the words of the prophet Daniel nearly 400 400 years after King David. When God's people were in exile, and it looked like God's promises had run dry, and that's the way it felt with a king like Herod, who was barely even Jewish, And certainly not from the house of David. Every Jew reading those words from the angel would have said, they remember. They remember what Daniel said 600 years before. In the time of those kings, kings like Herod, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. Because right then and there it looked like Israel would be left to the Romans. It will crush all those kingdoms and will bring them to an end. But it it itself will endure forever. Mary, I'm fulfilling the promise in you. Check this out. Have you ever thought about this? Mary, I'm fulfilling the promise for you through you. And isn't this crazy? I mean, that... That was 2,600 years ago. And nobody on planet Earth has gathered this morning to worship King Herod. And nobody on planet Earth has gathered this morning to lift up the name of Caesar. But billions of people this morning (laughs) have gathered to worship King Jesus And lift up the name of the Christ. Isn't that crazy? That promise that has come true? Well, here's what Mary says. Upon hearing, this is a lot, right? This is a lot the angel has just said. Not just you're going to have a baby. Your baby's going to kind of like be the one. And then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? She's like, listen, um, Gabriel, 
It's Gabriel, right? Listen, I don't know if you know how the baby deal works with the humans, but, you know, Joseph and I, we're just engaged. We haven't, anyway, you know, so what is the timing looking like for this? Because I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work out with the wedding. We wanted a spring wedding, but we could not find a venue in all of Israel. And then we said, we're going to do early fall, of course, before football season, and no DJs, no caterers. So we're looking like something around the holidays. Mom said a Hanukkah wedding would be gorgeous. So when are you thinking that this baby's going to come? Like what, like what, are, what time from? Because it's obviously not now because Joseph and I, you know, as God told you all about that, you know. And it just reminds me of this question, why would God want to do something you could do by yourself? You ever ask God to do something that you could do by yourself? Or do you want God to do something in your life that you cannot do by yourself? Why would God want to do something that you could do by yourself? God doesn't have something in mind that Mary could do on her own. God has something different in mind for Mary. This is what Gabriel says. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. This is scientifically impossible. We're not talking about improbable. We're not talking about highly unlikely. We're talking about impossible. I mean, they didn't have biology class back then, but Mary knew how babies were made. This had never happened before. It's never happened since, and it was unheard of. There were no pagan traditions that linked divine paternity to a virgin conception. They didn't borrow this from another people. This was a new idea, a new thing that no one had ever imagined. And the, the angel uses a word here that's just so powerful. Overshadow. Mary, God wants to do something impossible in your life. And here's what it's going to take. God is going to have to overshadow you. Mary, you aren't going to be the star of your own show. You're going to have to take a back seat. If you want the impossible to happen in your life, if I want the impossible to happen in my life, it will mean God gets the glory and we don't. It will mean God overshadowing us. If we could do it something on our own, we wouldn't need God and we could get all the glory. But if we want God to move, to do what seems like it's virtually impossible, it will mean God gets the glory. It will mean God overshadows us. And I can't help but think, but sometimes some of the reason we don't see the impossible happen in our lives is we want to be the star of our own show. Are you willing to play the supporting actor role in your own movie? 
while God plays the lead. And the angel says something powerful to Mary. And I don't think it's the first time he said it. He looks at Mary and he says, nothing is impossible for God. Remember her question? How would this be? Doesn't make sense. Math doesn't add up. Science doesn't make sense. No, no. Nothing is impossible for God. Thousands of years before this, before Israel was even a people, God had made a promise to another woman who looked like she could not have a child. To Abraham and his wife Sarah, she was 80 years old when God said, you're about to get pregnant and to have a child. I mean, she laughed because she thought it was a joke. What would your grandma say at 80? This is a joke. This is a joke. And God sent some messengers to Abraham and Sarah. Get this, it's so cool how the stories of the Old Testament and the New Testament come together in Jesus. God sent some angels, some messengers to Abraham and Sarah. This is what they said. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing is impossible with God. Mary knew that story. But what would she do? I mean, Sarah's story was unlikely. Her cousin, relative, aunt, Elizabeth's story, unlikely. But everyone would be excited about Elizabeth's pregnancy. But not hers. It would mean ridicule. It would mean shame. Her parents might even disown her. Now, what would Joseph say? <laughs> who would believe a teenage girl who had said she got pregnant by the power of God? I mean, come on. Everybody knows how teenage girls get pregnant. What would she do? What would she say? How would she respond? This wasn't normal, and it would mean that her life would never be normal again. And the easiest thing to do would have been um, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Instead, Mary chose another path. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm not in charge of me. You're in charge of me. And may it be to you, may it be to me as you have said, even though people will ridicule me, even though people won't understand, you do something impossible in me. The lesson of Mary in the Christmas story isn't that we can try to persuade God to do something impossible for us. The lesson in the Christmas story is about what we are willing to do for him. The real miracle might not be a virgin birth. The real miracle might be that a virgin girl named Mary said, you can do whatever you want with me, no matter the cost, no matter the shame, no matter the ridicule. And when you surrender to God's power in your life, you release what's possible through your life. 
When you surrender to God's power in your life, when you say, may it be to me as you said, you do whatever you want to do, then you release what's possible through your life. There are some impossible things that I can guarantee that God will do in your life when you surrender to his power. Forgive your sins. That seems impossible that he can wipe your past clean. It's going to happen. There are some impossible things I can guarantee will happen. You will find freedom in Christ. You will be made new. Your soul will be redeemed. Jesus will start building a mansion in heaven for you. I can promise you. But we all have some dreams of impossible things that we want God to do. Heal addictions. Restore families. Make a way where there is no way. Or just like with Mary, for God to make something out of nothing. And I can't promise any of that stuff. God doesn't promise it. But I believe with all my heart that Jesus wants to do something impossible in my life in your life, and you just don't know what it is yet. But it might mean taking a chance, trusting him like you've never trusted him before. It might mean being ridiculed. It might mean people not understanding you. It might mean people not getting it. It, it might mean people shunning you. It might mean taking a huge risk on Jesus. But are you willing to say, are you willing to say, I'm your servant, you do whatever you want with me, God. I'm your servant, you do whatever you want. I'm your servant, you do whatever you want. I'm your servant, you do whatever you want. Are you willing to pray that prayer? I mean, so we often say, right, we often say, like, I, I want to see the impossible things. Can I get God to do something in my life like God did in Mary's life? Are you willing to pray, I'm your servant, do whatever you want? Whatever God wants. I'm so glad Mary did. You know, she didn't have to. And I don't believe for I don't believe for one minute that like the sovereign God of the universe's plans <laughs> rested on the yes of a teenage girl. Like, if Mary would have said no, I think God would have been like, well, we'll try again. Let's find somebody else. Might take 400 more years. God's going to do what God wants to do. It would have been Mary that missed out on being part of the story. And she had no idea. She had no idea that her yes would etch her into the very fabric of the Christian faith. She had no idea that her yes would cement her into the creed that unites all Christians for thousands of years. And if you grew up going to a liturgical church, you said it every single Sunday. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. There's a lot of Christians this morning that came to worship King Jesus, but they said the name 
of a teenage girl who said yes. When you surrender to God's power in your life, you release what's possible through your life. And here's what I believe. I know this to be true. You and I, we have no idea what God wants to do through our lives. You have no idea what story he wants to write. You have no idea what impossible thing he wants to do. You have no idea what healing he wants to bring in your family. You have no idea what thing that you would never have predicted. But I know this. You only find out on the other side of surrender. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for a teenage girl who taught us about spiritual maturity. For a teenage girl who taught us how to surrender. Lord, could we confess to you that is a scary prayer. Do whatever you want to. God, we're afraid that whatever you want might be something we don't like. It might be something hard. It might be something that doesn't make sense. But God, what else can we do? You've saved our soul. So this Christmas, just like Mary, we want to give you our heart. In his name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing, as always, the front is open if you want to come and pray.